0: the great commandment. We're going to talk about a few things here. I'm just going to kind of give you a brief outline. Uh, We're actually talking from Matthew 22. So if you want to turn to Matthew 22, Matthew chapter 22, verses 35 through 40, that's going to be our our passage for this morning. So our little outline here is going to basically cover these four things, um, three things and then application. So an expert will ask Jesus a question. I should have put quotes around expert because, you know, when you feel like you're a professional and you're questioning the Son of God, uh, you're quickly humbled. So, uh, and that's verses 35 to 36, and then uh, the second section will be Jesus answers the question that he's asked, and of course he answers it uh, with an explanation. He explains his answer, and then we're going to talk about how we can apply everything he he just said. So, from this, uh, from this little conversation. All right, so we'll just jump right in. So, uh, let's see here. Here we go. So, Matthew 22, verses 35 through 36, the, the Pharisee expert, we're going to read the passage and then go, go over a few little aspects of the, of the uh, passage. I'll just read it. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? All right. So immediately we see just a very simple question. We're going to talk about a few Greek words here. Uh, First of all, the word lawyer. When you see that, you immediately think of like uh, I don't know Clarence Darrow, Johnny Cochran, right? Saul Goodman. You know the famous lawyers. Uh, In this context, he's more of an expert in the law. So uh, we might call him. And in this context, it's a mosaic law. So. We might actually say he's a Mosaic law expert, so not a lawyer in the traditional modern sense. Um, then the next word, testing. Um, by the way, that Greek word for uh, lawyer is nomikos. If, if you're curious. Testing, the Greek word is pyrazo, that's how you pronounce it. Uh, it just simply means to test, to try, or to tempt. And it's actually the same Greek word used when Satan tempted Jesus. So you can get kind of a malicious sense here of the tempting going on from the lawyer. <clears throat> Next word is great. I want to uh, talk about we. Uh, it's the Greek word megas, which if you if, you immediately might think of mega. Same thing. That's where we get the word mega. Just it simply means top and rank. Let's, I went too far, didn't I? There we go. So great comes from mega or megas, and it just simply means like top and rank. You know, age size—that's basically what the word means. And the next word is law, of course, which is nomos, and it simply means like a statute, an ordinance, or a law. So, but in the context, so it really just is saying, uh, "Hey, hey, teacher, what's the great? What's the best commandment in the law?" And of course, he's talking about the Mosaic law. So, just to give you kind of a context, there, he's not talking about any other kind of law, and because Jesus, of course, answers from the law. All right, so. Moving on. Jesus answers his question. That was the easy part. He asked a question and then we get into the more complicated stuff. Verse 37, and he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. So, uh, if if you're Jewish or if you're a Jew, you're, the first thing you might re- uh, realize is that this passage is actually from what's called the Shema uh, in Deuteronomy. Um, for a Jew, it's kind of like a Christian knowing John 3:16. So everyone knows John 3:16 for the most part, hopefully. Um, and similarly, a Jew would know that the uh, that the Shema would know the Shema by heart. So it's hero, hero, Israel, the Lord our God is one God. But if we notice here, uh, Jesus uses a different word from the Shema. Shema uses the word mind. Jesus uses the word strength. Heart, soul, strength versus heart, soul, mind. Um, I won't get into the details of that. We'll come back to it briefly. But uh, it's just kind of an interesting little change there. So let's go over a few more words here. First, First of all, love. Of course, you might think of agape or phileo as the Greek words of love. Um, This word here is agapeo, or the verb form of love, so to love. Um, Jesus is saying you must love with agape love. So it's basically an unconditional, the type of love from God to man, unconditional and unchanging. The Hebrew equivalent of this word is ahab, which is made up of three Hebrew letters, um, the Aleph, the He, and the Bet. If you know any, if you know your Hebrew, um, th- those, are the, those are very commonly used letters. Um, aleph, meaning leader. Bet, meaning house, like Bethlehem. And, of course, the He, which is the breath or spirit. So you could say that the leader of the house, uh, the spiritual person in the house, which, of course, we get the word love. So just kind of throw that out there. The, uh, just because, since we're talking about love, I'll talk about the first time love's mentioned in the Bible. It's, of course, Genesis 22, the offering of Isaac. Um, Abraham says, or God says, Abraham, Abraham, and he says, here I am. And then he says, take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac. I just want to throw this out there. How many sons did Abraham have at the time? He had two sons, right? He had Ishmael, and so why does it say your only son? Well, he's choosing to to focus on the the son of the promise. So um, I just like to throw that out there because the first time love is used, it's it sort of sets the tone for the rest of the scripture sometimes. And uh, John three sixteen is a good parallel to that that passage. So love. All right. So moving on to the next Greek word. I like to focus on the love because that's what we're talking about. Great. It's the same Greek word uh, we talked about earlier. Um, he says, what's the great commandment in the law? And Jesus says, well, this is the great commandment in the law. He sort of answers using the same word, um, megas. So, foremost, the word is protos, meaning first in rank. So, he says great and foremost commandment. Um, Very similar words, but again, two different words. Okay, so why would we use two different words? He's basically saying, this is the Biggest and the best commandment, you could say, all right? In, in modern Jeremiah international version, the greatest and the best or something like that um, commandment. So this is a very important commandment is what he's saying. Okay, so before we go on, I want to kind of mention that uh, if you want to make a little note in your, on your sheet there, Revelation 2. I'm going to take a little brief segue here. The church of Ephesus... Uh, is mentioned in in Revelation chapter two. Actually, these seven churches. And Re- if if you want a brief outline of, of Revelation, Revelation one is the intro. Revelation two and three are the letters to the churches, and then Revelation four and on is all prophecy. You know, the stuff in the in the future. Revelation two talks about these seven churches. Jesus writes these letters to these churches through John, of course. Um, what I want to mention specifically about is the church of Ephesus in uh, at the very beginning there. Church of Ephesus did everything great. and um, By the way, I want to point out that these churches that received these letters all probably had some surprises. They've, the ones that thought they were doing great messed up a little, and the ones that thought they were doing bad were doing better than they thought. Okay, so if you read those, you'll see a lot. If you want to find anything in Revelation that we can apply here today, go to Revelation 2 and 3 and read those. So, The church of Ephesus specifically was doing great. They had their doctrine right. They were keeping out the false teachers, but they had forgotten their first what? Their first love. Okay? So they basically had, you could say they had, without going into a study of Revelation 2, they had all the time in the world for service to the Lord, but they didn't have any time for the Lord. Okay? So, all right, moving back to the primary point of this study, is love. Um, so there's different, there are several views on what heart, soul, and mind means when Jesus says, love, all, love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, and mind. Of course, he changes it from strength to mind. We'll get back to that. The, one of the views is that all the words are similar, but they basically mean the same thing. Okay, so there's three different words here in the Greek, three different words in the Hebrew kind of mean the same thing, kind of like a Venn diagram. You know, they're all kind of different, but they all blend together. That's one view. Another view is that they all mean the exact same thing. And then there's another view, which I personally hold to without getting into more details of this, but why would the Scripture, the inspired Scripture, use six different words for for these words? So um, I'll let you do that. Maybe that study on your own. I would uh, basically just study all the ways these different words are used in the Greek and Hebrew throughout the Scripture, and you might find some surprises. So, all right, so with that said, how in the world do we love God? Well, let's find some answers in Scripture here. Here's one answer. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Ooh, pretty straightforward, right? So, do what the Lord says, follow His Scripture, follow His commandments, and that's one way of loving God. So, and I think we'll find whenever we, we do uh, follow His commandments, we'll feel we'll we'll have that relationship with the Lord, that close relationship, that fellowship. Another one is John fourteen twenty three, and it says, "Jesus answered and said, If anyone loves me, he will follow my word, and my Father will love him, and he will come to, him, and he, we will come to him." Sorry, he will come to him and make our dwelling with him. And another one is 1 John four nineteen, is we love because he first loved us. So, love the Lord your God. All right, in verse 39, there we go. Verse 39, if that command wasn't difficult enough, loving God, he then throws us a little curveball. The second is like it, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Oof. If anyone knows any oof moments, that's that's a tough one. So how on earth do we do this? 1 Corinthians 10.24 says, Let no one seek his own good but that of his neighbor. So, of course, the word seek here in this passage has an idea of striving for. So don't seek out your own good things about yourself. Um, put others before, before yourself, basically, is what that's saying. And that's easier said than done, I think we can all agree, especially these days. Um, let's, uh, another one is, let the love of the brethren, and this is Hebrews 13, let the love of the brethren continue, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. Very famous verse. The word hospitality here is only used twice in the New Testament, this form of it, but it's, it means a love for humanity, all right? Has anyone in here ever said, I just don't like people? I've, I'm guilty, sorry, I mean, a lot of us probably are. Well, that's, that's not the way we should be, uh, we should be uh, thinking. We should have a love for humanity. Um, essentially, these two commands are love God and love people. Um, we actually get the word philanthropy from this Greek word used for for, humanity, or for hospitality here. Another passage is Philippians 2.3, and it says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Oof. And not just the ones that are nice to you, okay? Not the ones that, are, that you get along with. All right, we'll get into that too. The word for selfishness here has an idea of promote... is actually the word for promoting yourself for political office. So um, I think we can pretty much understand what that means. Don't don't promote yourself in a way that you can get others to like you and choose you above others. Um, And the word for humility of mind has an idea of realizing one's moral littleness. So if... uh, yeah, modesty, humility. Um, again, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Not as important as yourself. More important. All right. But I say to you, this is Matthew 5.44, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Oof, this is getting deep, uh, very deep. So, love your enemies. Has anyone loved that person that was rude to us at maybe the local coffee shop or, or at work? Maybe we have that neighbor that we don't get along with. Um, yeah, we, we have to love them. So, your enemies. And if we get on Facebook or something and we have those conversations with people and we, uh, we get in a debate and maybe they say something you don't agree with, do you reply with not love? <laughs> um, or do you just stay silent? Or uh, maybe say something uplifting to them? Um, when we get behind our keyboards, we're a little more brave than if we're face-to-face. So um, so yeah, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So I actually got into a conversation with, with an atheist online, and I had to keep my, I guess you could say my tongue tied, but um, I told him, I said, "I'm going to pray for you, you know, uh, And then I turned off notifications because I didn't want to hear from that guy anymore. <laughs> but uh, but uh, he was basically telling me that, you know, I'm, I'm silly for believing this Christianity stuff, and, and I just gave a few Bible verses and facts and stuff like that, and uh, he, he didn't like that, so I told him, I'll, I'll pray for you." Have a nice day, sir. All right, so. Luke six twenty seven. before we move on. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Oof. Write these down, highlight them, put them above your, you know, print them out, put them on your fridge. Hard stuff, but we need to do it. All right, so Jesus explains his answer in verse 40. Jesus himself explains why this commandment, or these commandments, you could say, are great, are mega-great. Upon these two commandments hang the whole law and the prophets. Ooh, what does that mean? Well, the whole law and the prophets is the Bible. And, of course, the whole canon wasn't completed then, but he's basically saying the entire, all the inspired Word of God uh, stands in these two commandments. You could kind of picture the Bible hanging from two little strings that one says, love God, and the other says, love others. And if you cut one of those strings, and it falls, you know. So um, that's basically what it's saying. The whole law and the prophets... The hang on these two commandments. All 66 books of our Bible, the prophecy, everything, depend on these two verses. That's, that means a lot, right? That's not, that's, it's not just a little sub-lesson in, in the Scripture here. This is the big picture, love God and love others. Most people would agree that Jesus summarized the entire Bible in these two verses, Galatians 5.14 says, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And if you think about it, even the Ten Commandments encompass this. The first three commandments are to love God in some way. And the last seven are to love others. Um, Paul even says, For this you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, And if there is any other commandment, it is summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's Romans 13, 9. All right, so what can we do with this? This is the tough part. This is where we actually have to make action of this. So love God, easier said than done, right? How do we do that? Well, we study his word, get quiet time, pray to to him, just thank him for, you know, everything he's given you that he didn't have to. Apply his word, you know, take, take what you've studied and do it. Let's leave these, this building today and love our enemies, love our, these strangers out there, um, love our, you know, our neighbors. Uh, teach his word, you know, there's not just a... Most people think that the pastor is supposed to teach or, or the executive pastor is supposed to teach, um, but we're all called to teach and just spend time with our Lord, our, our Savior. Um, let's not be like the Revelation to Ephesus Church, where they do everything for the service of the Lord, but they forget the Lord. And, you know so <clears throat> What else can we do? We can love others. Those first are easy, right? I put the easy first. family. It's easy to love family, right? Friends sometimes, right? No. We should love them all the time, and our coworkers. Oh, uh-oh, we're getting into the murky waters here. Strangers and even enemies. That, that's everybody, all right? So don't just love these, love everybody. You know, do better for those that maybe you don't even like, or don't get along with, or maybe that persecute you. Do something nice for them. You know, just just love them. Just see them as a, you know, they're a child of, I mean, they're a creation of God, and, uh, God loves them just as much as he loves you, so. All right, so before we move on, um, before we close, I have this one little thing I I, I read recently and I thought it was kind of interesting. It really kind of woke me up. So when we talk about love in a Christian sense, we always think about the love chapter, right? 1 Corinthians 13. And I'll just read a little part of that and then I want to do something a little different here. So 1 Corinthians 13, I'm just going to read verses 4 through 8 very quickly. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous. Love does not brag. It is not arrogant. It does not act disgracefully. It does not seek its own benefit. And I'll just kind of skip forward. But rejoices with the truth. It keeps every confidence. It believes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. We're all familiar with that, right? Let's throw the name Jesus in there because as First uh, John 4 8 says, God is love, right? So Jesus is the... Uh, is love. I mean, there's no way around that. So let's let's replace the word, uh, and, and you'll see how it fits. Okay, Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus is not jealous. Jesus does not brag. Jesus is not arrogant. He does not act disgracefully. He does not seek his own benefit. Is not provoked. And I'll just kind of skip forward. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. Jesus never fails. That fits, right? All right, now I'm going to do something really. Uh, shattering. Put your own name in there, and let's see how we differ uh, from our Savior. And I'm going to try this, and I'm probably not going to be able to finish it without… just uh, Yeah, so Jeremiah is patient. Jeremiah is kind. He is not jealous. He does not brag. Uh, This is getting really hard to say without uh, getting a little red in the face. Does not act disgracefully and then I'll just skip to the end. Jeremiah never fails. Okay, so th- this doesn't really fit that well, right? So we see kind of a contrast here from our Savior and perfection and love uh, from what we are, and maybe we see, we see as a result what we can strive for.